rod and your staff, they comfort me. David had a confidence that few people today know anything about. It wasn't a confidence uh, in himself and his own ability to see himself uh, through, uh, to handle anything that might come his way. But it was a confidence in his God who he knew whatever was going on in his life, wherever he, wherever he was, whatever he was experiencing, he knew his God was capable of taking care of him. And whenever he found himself in uh, what he might consider to be a valley, a low point in his life, he knew that God, his shepherd, would see him safely through that experience. Now, I don't know anybody who uh, uh, particularly is that fond of the valley experiences of life. I think we all long for those higher ground moments, uh, the thrill and the excitement of those mountaintop experiences. You know what I'm talking about. Those feel-good moments, like when we're, uh, we receive the recognition that we think that we deserve, or maybe a recognition that is uh, totally out of the blue that really surprises us and makes us feel good about ourselves. Like uh, when we accomplish something significant, we, we graduate from high school or we graduate from college or when we get married or when the children start coming uh, our way or when the children leave and, you know, uh, go away for just, just a limited uh, amount of time or when the grandchildren come and what a delight that is. Or the greatest mountaintop experience when we give our heart to Jesus and we come to know the life that is found only uh, in Him. Or when we uh, rededicate our lives to the Lord or we surrender to, to our lives to Him, to, to whatever special calling He has placed in our lives. We, we long for those mountaintop experiences that are a foretaste of glory divine, uh, that final mountaintop experience, the one that will never end, the one that will put an end to all of the uh, pain and sorrow and heartache uh, of this life and will last forever and ever and ever. That's what we long for. But I hate to be the bearer of, of, of bad tidings this morning. But you know, our Lord promised us a number of things. And one of the things that he promised his disciples, not just bad people, but his disciples, he promised us in this world, which is where we find ourselves right now. He said, in this world, I promise you, you're going to have trouble. That's just the way it is. And that means that in between every one of those uh, mountaintops where we'd like to spend all of our time is a valley. Uh, maybe, you know, some of them may not amount to any more than just a dip in the road. But some of them may be real valleys, very deep and very dark. And if there's anybody that knew that, uh, it would have been 
David, who, of course, we know, uh, you know, ended up as the king of Israel, the greatest king that uh, in Israel's history. But he was a shepherd growing up. And like other shepherd boys, every spring, he would take his flock and he would head for the hills. Uh, he would go uh, to those places high in the mountains, those alpine meadows, the high, the, the ranges high in the mountains where he would watch over his flock by day and night uh, during the summer months, during the warm months. But the shepherds would make their way up to those high places by way of uh, the gulches and the draws and the ravines that were actually uh, a part of the mountain. And they do that for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, that's where the water was. Uh, in many cases, it was the water that had created the depression in the first place. And because that's where the water was, that's where the food was, that's where there, he was going to be able to provide for his flock even uh, on his way up to the place where he wanted to spend uh, the summer. The shepherd knew that, uh, that that was the best way to get to the high place where uh, he wanted to take his flock. But he also knew that some of those valleys could be really dark. Um, and deep and scary. David here says, uh, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now there is in Israel, I'm told, I've, I've never seen it, but I'm sure it's a tourist attraction, a valley that is named the valley of the shadow of death. Has, has anybody seen that? Anybody been to Israel and seen that? Well, there is a valley uh, that is known uh, as the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And, of course, the, the, uh, the big claim is that David himself certainly must have walked through this valley. And that's, that's where he got this idea to, to talk about the Valley of the Shadow of Death. But this particular valley, you know, whether or not it's authentic and David actually walked through it or not, uh, it is illustrative of, uh, I think, what David is talking about here. Uh, it is so deep. It's very deep. And it's very narrow. And because it's so deep and narrow, the you know, its ridges uh, or the sides of it are extremely steep. And the only time that it gets direct sunlight is, you know, just at high noon and just for, just for a few minutes of the day. You can imagine how dark and scary it might be when all the lights go out and all you got is, is starlight or moonlight shining, shining down on it. It, it surely must be a uh, dark and dreary Place. In fact, your translation of this particular verse may read 
Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of deepest darkness. That, that is probably, uh, many Hebrew scholars tell us, a better translation of this verse. Uh, the, yea, though I walk through the valley of the, not just uh, the shadow of death, but deepest darkness. This would include not just the experience of death and, and sorrow, but all suffering. Uh, all dark experiences that we might experience uh, in life. And it would certainly capture the experience of many a shepherd who might find themselves in a valley like that as they made their way up to the high places uh, in the hills and the mountains uh, in, in Palestine. Uh, it was dark and scary and uh, dangerous, made even more dangerous by the fact that you just can't see uh, any obstacles or dangers uh, in that place. And there were very real dangers uh, in that place. Um, you can imagine predators uh, and robbers. Uh, you know, they, they would want to hide out uh, you know, whenever they would want to attack the, the, the flock, well, it's just that much easier to hide out uh, in a place like that. And there was also always that uh, threat of rock slides and mudslides and avalanches uh, of snow. But despite the dangers, despite the darkness, the shepherds knew that the valleys were the best, if not the only way, to where they wanted to get to the high places uh, during the summer. Well, so it is with our lives. In order to get to the best way to get to uh, the places where we want to spend all our time is oftentimes through the valleys uh, of our lives. And I know that's hard for us to understand and to actually to, to you know, want to say or understand is, a, is truth. But while our technologically sophisticated society continues its headlong pursuit of uh, ease and comfort in life, the fact remains that the valley experiences that we tend to avoid at all costs, those uh, are the very thing that we need from time to time. Now, there's a couple of things that we need to recognize or to do in response to the valleys of life. The first is to just simply recognize that they're inevitable. Uh, the valleys of life are inevitable. They're going to happen. Uh, there's nothing that we can do to avoid them. You're going to have times of difficulty and discouragement and disappointment. You're going to have times of sorrow and sickness and uh, you know, suffering. You're going to have times of fatigue and frustration and failure. You may be, be, you may be able to avoid some of the valleys but you're not going to be able to avoid them all. So just recognize that they are inevitable. And secondly, recognize 
uh, or make sure that you've got good company. Specifically, the one who David knew was with him uh, through every valley of his life. Specifically, the Lord who he called his shepherd, who is the only one who is capable of taking care of you uh, in every valley that you're ever going to have to go through in life and is the only one who is going to be able to safely see you through every one of them. And Jesus said, that would be me. In John ten eleven, he, he didn't leave any, uh, they, they didn't have to figure it out for themselves. He just explicitly came out and told them, I am the good shepherd. And as the good shepherd, he knows all about the dangers in the darkness. He's got a lot of experience with that. He, he has been there and done that. He's been through experiences, I promise you, you don't want to go through. And he has triumphed over them all. And he is able to, not only does he know what you're going through, he is able to see you through whatever valleys uh, that you're going to go through. But there's a third thing that I want us to notice this morning. This is where we're going to camp out for a few minutes this morning. And this is really neat. It's really incredible. And that is, it is possible, believe it or not, it is possible uh, for you to be unafraid in whatever valley you're ever going to have to go through. In life, David said, Yea, though I walk through these deep, dark valleys, I will fear no evil. Now, as far as David was concerned, <clears throat> fear was a choice. Now, I know, you know, fear is actually, it's a, it's a natural response to, you know, threatening things that happen to us. Uh, it, it just it just comes naturally. It happens to us. There's nothing we can do to keep it from happening. When we see a scary situation, when we're uh, exposed to something unfamiliar, uh, uh, immediately we can feel the adrenaline just surge through our body, and we're we're stricken with fear. And it, it prepares us. Psychologists say for that flight or fight response uh, that we that you know, prepares us to handle whatever it is. But after that uh, initial response of fear, after it happens to us, then it's a choice whether or not we're going to continue to live uh, in that fear. And David said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go there. I will Fear no evil. He was determined that he was going to be afraid of no evil, no bad thing that might ever happen to him, whatever that might be. Now, I believe if David could say that, if David could do that, I believe we can do it too. Let me tell you how he did it. He did it 
by knowing that the Lord was his shepherd and he was with him every step of the way. Likewise, you can be unafraid in whatever valley you'll ever have to go through when, if you know, if you really know that the Lord is your shepherd and he's with you every step of the way. It reminds me of, um, well, let's look at the verse here. He says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Reminds me of a story of uh, a boat, a passenger liner that was on the uh, on the ocean one night, caught in a, a terrible storm. And uh, I don't know if any of you have been on a uh, ship uh, during the time of a storm, but it can be kind of not just nauseating, but uh, kind of a, a scary experience. And so everybody on the board of, uh, on on the ship was was scared to death, just just at least nervous about all that was going on, except one person, one person. And that was a little boy who was safely cradled in his mother's arms. It makes all the difference in the world to know that he is with us. David was unafraid because he knew. And let's say this. He knew at least at that moment in his life. Did he know all the time? Probably not. You know, we forget it, don't we? Uh, a lot of times when we find ourselves in a scary situation, we forget. But at least at that particular point in his life, he knew. He was unafraid because he knew that the Lord was with him. And he knew that the Lord not just was there and he could see him and he, he, he could sense his presence, but he was actually doing something for him. He was comforting him as only he could. Um, I know that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, uh, David says here. The Hebrew, I, I understand, uh, could be best translated, he really comfort or his rod and his staff, they really, really comfort me. It's, it's a picture of, to me, of David feeling from time to time like we do. We get all worked up and all troubled about all that's happening in our lives. And David is saying, just when I, when I really come to understand and to, to remember and to just beat it uh, in through my thick skull and, and remind myself that he is with me, comforting me with his rod and his staff, he has a way of stilling my troubled heart. Likewise, you can be unafraid when you know that the Lord is comforting you with his rod 
and his staff as only he can. Now, a shepherd's rod was actually a club, about three feet, is that about three feet, about three feet long, that he would use to protect himself from wild animals and uh, and other dangers, protect his sheep as well. Philip Keller, who I've made reference to in the the other weeks that I've uh, shared with you out of this psalm, wrote the the shepherd looks at the twenty third psalm. He grew up in Africa, and you know he worked for a time as a shepherd himself. But he always uh, he said he often watched uh, his fellow shepherd boys have contests with with their rods. And they would actually take them uh, and throw them. And they'd, they'd see who could throw their rod and uh, with, with the greatest accuracy over the greatest distance. And he said it was, it was pretty amazing to see the skill that some of those young shepherd boys had. They could use their rod to... Uh, of course, chase off uh, any predators. They, they, if they saw a wolf, uh, you know, approaching the flock, they just throw it and wouldn't hesitate to hit the thing and uh, chase it off, discourage it from coming back. But also, they'd use it on the sheep. They, they wouldn't actually hit the sheep. You know, they, they didn't want to hurt their flock. But if they saw one of the sheep, you know, wandering away, just ever so slowly uh, uh, wandering away from the flock and maybe getting around something dangerous, some weeds or maybe some treacherous terrain, uh, that shepherd would let that, that rod fly. wouldn't hit the, hit the sheep, but let it land just near enough to the sheep to get its attention, cause it to look up, see where he was, and Ike's. You know, yikes, let me get back to the safety of the flock. They'd also use it to beat the bush and uh, scare up any snakes. You know, that's not going to be a good thing uh, for for the shepherd or the the sheep. And they'd also use that that rod to part. They, they'd sit there with each of those sheep individually, and they'd use it to part the wool on the sheep to, to do that examination from from time to time, looking for parasites, looking for parasites or, uh, you know, some disease that needs to be uh, taken care of and treated. Well, as you might imagine, God has a rod. David said he did anyway. God has a rod, and I believe that rod uh, is the Word of God which the Apostle Paul says is profitable. It's useful for teaching and rebuking. And Oh, we don't like that, do we? <laughs> we don't mind the teaching, but we rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Like a rod, God uses His Word to alert us when we're kind of wandering away from where we need to be wandering toward uh, some dangerous territory 
uh, in our life. He, he gets our attention. Folks, you're going to have enough trouble in this life. You don't, you don't need to be looking for any more. And God loves us enough that he's provided his word to warn us about some of the things that are going to do nothing but uh, get us in trouble. And not only that, he, he alerts us to the devil. Uh, that snake, the devil, and the schemes that he uses to tempt us. And he, he's, he's very, very clever. And he examines us with his word. I like how the writer of Hebrews puts it. The word of God is quick. That is living. It's, it's alive. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, you may look fine on the outside. You all look fine this morning. Let me just tell you that. But God knows you beneath the surface. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he uses his word to convict you of sin that maybe nobody else is aware of. And maybe you're not even aware of. And just exactly where you stand in your walk with him. God has a rod. The word of God, which David said calmed his troubled heart when he found himself in one of the many valleys of life. David said, God also has a staff. Now, a shepherd's staff, I think we all know what that is. That's that that long thing, usually about six feet long. Uh, If you're tall like me, maybe it's six three or six four. But it's, it's a little longer tall and slender. It's got that that hook on the end. And the shepherd will use that hook to wrap around maybe a baby lamb that's gotten separated from its mother. And he'll he'll just hook that baby lamb and and carry it back to its mother. Uh, Sheep are kind of funny, kind of like we are sometimes, but uh, the the mother might reject the the baby if it's got the odor of, of human hands, even if it's a, the trusted shepherd. And so the shepherd will use the crook to bring the lamb back to the nourishment uh, and the protection that it needs from its mother. He'll he'll use the other end, the straight end to walk his sheep through some, maybe a a narrow gate or along some new unfamiliar path or dangerous, uh, treacherous path. And he'll use that that straight end if if a a sheep wanders off in its pursuit of a few more mouthfuls of fresh green grass and uh, just not paying any attention, gets all caught up in some some thorns uh, and is caught up in them, can't move 
because of them. That that shepherd will use uh, his staff to slowly but surely just separate the wool. And won't, won't want to get in there with his hands, but separate the wool from the thorns and rescue that sheep out of uh, that perilous predicament. Well, David said the Lord has a staff as well. And I think we could say that the Holy Spirit operates like a staff. He is like a staff, God's staff in our lives. And when we quit taking in the spiritual nourishment that we need, He brings us back to the milk of the Word that we need to grow and develop and to stay healthy. And and He brings us back to church uh, where we hear His Word proclaimed and uh, taught from week to week. He'll guide us like a shepherd guides his flock. He'll guide us into all truth. Uh, the, Holy, the, the, the Bible says uh, His Holy Spirit does. He makes clear uh, that which sometimes isn't all that clear and easy to understand. He makes it clear and He helps us to understand His will and His Word. And He gently nudges us in the right direction with His Holy Spirit. And He rescues us when we find ourselves uh, all tangled up in maybe some sin, some place where we didn't need to be in the first place. David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley, that the valleys that are just as dark as you can imagine, I'm not going to be afraid of any bad thing that might happen to me because I know that He's with me and He's actively working in my life to give me the comfort and the encouragement that I need to see me through. Scottish preacher John McNeil tells about how when he was a boy, he used to have to walk uh, home quite a distance through a thick forest and a large ravine. He said there were always those reports of wild animals and uh, robbers in the air uh, in the area. And uh, he said every time he walked by those spooky trees, uh, he did so with at least a little bit of apprehension. But this is what he wrote. This is, uh, this is a preacher, a Scottish preacher of the late 18th and early 19th century. This is, what, this is his experience. He said, One night when I was a boy, it was especially dark, but I was aware that something or someone was moving slowly and quietly toward me. I was sure it was a robber. And when a voice called out, its airy tone struck my heart cold with fear. I thought I was finished. But then he said came a second call. And this time I could hear the voice saying, John, is that you? 
He said, it was my father who had known of my fear and had come out to meet me. You see, the things that we're afraid of, um, some of which happen, some of which never happen, but the things that we fear are just as real as the things that made McNeil a little bit apprehensive as a young boy. Yet if the Lord is our shepherd, we don't need to be afraid of anything because we know that his rod and his staff, his word and his spirit will work in our lives in such a way as to take away and give us reason not to be afraid. I like how H.H. Berry put it so long ago. He said, in pastures green, not always. Sometimes he who knoweth best in kindness leadeth us in weary ways where heavy shadows be. And by still waters, no, not always so. Oft times the heavy tempests round us blow, and o'er my soul the waves and billows go. But when the storms beat loudest, and I cry aloud for help, my master standeth by and whispers to my soul, Lo, it is I. So wherever he leads me, I can safely go. And in the blessed hereafter, I shall know why in his wisdom he hath led me so. You're going to have to go through some valleys this side of eternity. Some of them are liable to be really dark and scary, but you can go through every one of them unafraid when you know, like David knew, that the Lord your shepherd is with you and he promises to comfort you with his word and his spirit. I hope that this look at this verse helps you with that. And you do know a little bit better than you knew when you walked in this morning or you began the the new year that uh, you really don't have to be afraid of whatever might happen to you. But if the Lord isn't your shepherd, you have plenty to be afraid of. Because you don't have the one, the only one, who can take care of you in every one of the valleys you're ever going to have to go through and see you safely through every one of them. You see, some of the valley experiences of our life uh, are no big deal. You, you can handle them all by yourself. But some of them you're going to need help with. Like the valley of the shadow of death, when that that darkness comes into your life and you lose a loved one who's been a part of your life for all of your life, for most of your life, and, and that darkness comes into your life. That's a tough one. And you're going to need some help from other people and maybe even some help from the Lord. But there's one valley that 
none of you are going to get through without the Lord's help, and that is the valley of death. And the only way you're going to make it through that one is to make sure that the Lord is your shepherd. And the way you do that is to commit your life to Him in repentance, which is in your attitude, turning away from, in your mind, turning away from sin and turning to God and then trusting in Him to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And that is to bring your life spiritually with a life that makes this life full and meaningful and possible, enables you to make it through every valley in life. If you've never trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I know this morning there's nothing our pastors, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Bruce, would nothing they'd rather do than to help you understand how you can come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and shepherd of your soul. Let's pray together.